Welcome to Dr. Allett's Optimizing Brains Connectors Group. This webinar is being provided for educational and informational purposes only. As Dr. Allett is also a licensed medical practitioner, we need to make it really clear that nothing in this discussion is intended to constitute medical advice, consultation, recommendation, diagnosis, or treatment. Thank you so much for coming, and I'm super excited about today. One of the questions that has come up was, what's the difference between hypoglycemia and excess adrenaline and how to differentiate that? And that kind of relates back to the snapshot of anxiety assessment uh, because it's one of the questions or one of the segments. And we're going to go in more detail as we move forward. We're going to kind of go over these worksheets over and over again. So I'm going to briefly answer that question knowing that we might do a deeper dive um, at another connectors meeting. But how I think about those two things is so hypoglycemia is when your body doesn't have the fuel for the brain to work, uh, fun you know, to function well. And that relates to the timing of when and where I get food. We can have excess adrenaline in our lives because we get hypoglycemic all the time, because that's part of the body's compensation. We can also have excess adrenaline in our life because there, there's a person or an event that we visit regularly that causes adrenaline. So let's use the, the example that you have, somebody ha you're working with somebody who has an aggressive boss who likes to come in and slam things around and order things and change what they're supposed to be working on. That's gonna cause adrenaline regardless of when they last ate. But if they haven't eaten for a long period of time, there's gonna be adrenaline because their boss is a jerk and they haven't eaten in a long time. And so stabilizing the brain with those two things happening at the same time happens. The other thing about excess adrenaline that is worth discussing is, is when you have somebody particularly who has a high adverse childhood event score, an ACE score, or had a traumatic childhood, their brain is gonna be particularly wired for adrenaline. Or if they have been abused or, or neglected in any way or have had, had some traumatic event, their lizard brain has, has extra receptors looking for adrenaline. And what I've found is part of the recovery process is the brain and the body have to kind of not be exposed to adrenaline every day. And so we might have somebody who, who has now made their life really safe, but they're getting hypoglycemic all the time because of either what they're choosing to eat or what kind of food they have access to. And so their brain never actually has time to recover because it just keeps getting exposed to adrenaline. So an example, I had this woman, 27 years of alcohol use and had tried repeatedly to try, try and stop it and, and was in a safe world, but it wasn't until she started controlling her blood glucose that she got some traction. And because she just need, her brain just needed time away from the adrenaline. Uh, and then with therapy and some medications, but mostly just staying away from the adrenaline, she was able to reintegrate her brain in, in her top part of her brain from her lizard brain. 
so that she could dialogue better with the lizard brain and say, well, let's not flip out over that, but needed the stabilization of food. So, and that, that in essence is what this program that we're developing is helping with is, is helping bring that piece together because what, what I repeatedly see is that when people go to their primary care physician or their psychiatrist, first they're given drugs, uh, which is fine, but does nothing to really help rewire the brain on a fundamental level. Uh, and then maybe they'll go to a therapist, which is awesome, but the, the, and that helps some too, but the studies on addressing the nutrition piece uh, are getting more and more robust. And because our, our, the potential for malnutrition is getting higher and higher. And so again, getting better language around this is low anxiety, this is medium anxiety, this is high anxiety, and noticing, having people notice when their anxiety goes from low to medium, that one of the questions they ask themselves is, have I eaten recently? Did I eat protein recently? before they move on to the higher levels or they move into an environment that it has the potential of creating anxiety or releasing adrenaline so that they can stabilize their brain and kind of put a cap on that. A lot of people miss that, that, that step up and they're in high levels of anxiety and not capable of, of taking uh, self-care. One participant says that she could work on issues and thought processes forever and make little pros progress if the fueling isn't also addressed. Yes. And that is a really consistent comment that I've gotten from therapists is that when, when clients finally have the nutrients to rewire their brain, the repetitive nature of what they're looking at changes. Like, you know, we've all had patients where you kind of address the same issue for sometimes years. And, and that, that's a signal that, that perhaps the, the right diagnosis hasn't been made. And, the, and so doing a different treatment is important. Is the hypoglycemia adrenaline connection related to the body being in a stressed mode when not eating regularly? Or is there a deeper connection? That connection happens on its own, is that if people are hypoglycemic, they're going to get adrenaline independent of any kind of stress mode that's going on. So when I was in medical school and just stressed out all the time and doing a lot of personal work and getting my black belt and having people scare the crap out of me getting my black belt, you know, like I had all these signals for adrenaline outside my body, right? To induce adrenaline response outside my body. And really, I had to eat every two hours to not just have a screaming panic attack. But uh, as I got out of that mode, what I find is that on weekends or like when I was in Italy, I could eat every, you know, twice, twice in a day and be fine because I had the resources to kind of, you know, every once in a while, my lizard brain would start ch chatting with me. I'm like, dude, we're in Florence. Give it up. And then, oh, okay. And I kind of go back in the corner. But you have to have space and time to have that flexibility. And the more stress and the more frequency of stress, the more dependent people are on managing the hypoglycemia. But what I do see is over time, 
as people get into safer environments and get more integration in their brain and get more exercise, because exercise really helps all of this as well, like reasonable amounts of exercise, that, that things are more stable. And so they can eat three meals a day and be fine. The other factor that comes into it here is age. And, you know, 20 year olds can cheat like crazy as long as they're not in a hyper virtual environment. If they're in a hyper virtual environment, cheating, cheating becomes harder because they don't have as much sensory input. 30 year olds, you know, who are exercising can cheat some. 40 year olds who have been doing well their whole life can cheat a lot more. And the other piece that's driving that is also that most Americans are driving towards diabetes. And the more round we are, the more pre-diabetic we are, the less glycemic control there is as well. So that's a lot of factors uh, to kind of monitor. But it all, what I find is it all comes down to that, like, you know, if we eat protein in small frequent meals throughout the day, like, there's just a better platform because it, it kind of solves the, the aging problem, the diabetes problem, the adverse childhood events problem, the trauma problem, and, you know, some overuse of alcohol problem. So hopefully that's all understandable.